The Reset Podcast is a show about fresh starts. In business, career, relationships, health, and life in general, sometimes we all go forward to a new square one. Every moment is a new opportunity to begin again, and my guests will tell you how, when, and why they decided to reset their lives. I'm Franklin Taggart. Welcome to The Reset Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Reset Podcast. My name is Franklin Taggart, and my guest today is a friend of mine that I've known for a few years now, a real light in the world named Dara Rose. Hello, Dara. Hello, Franklin. (laughs) I'm very, very excited for our conversation today. Um, You've got some really cool things that are about ready to unfold in your life, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about those, but... um, before we get there, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, you, you were kind of a woman of all trades. You, uh, you're a musician, you are a marketer, you are a business person. Um, give us a little bit of a background on uh, all of these different places that you have your, uh, your energy and attention going. Thank you. Um... I'd like to just start by saying that I feel like my life has been a continuous series of unfolding blessings, most of which I've never earned, that grace is kind of the thread that permeates my entire life and has been since, uh, since as far back as I can remember. And grace, as we know, is something that is never earned. It's, it, it's given to um, those, I think, who are willing to accept that um, their life is a gift and to acknowledge that um, we don't know what's coming around the corner and therefore to sit in gratitude is a really safe place to be in life. So for me, I had the privilege of attending a very um, uh, prominent Uh, We called it the West Coast Ivy League School of Occidental College. And I graduated in 1982. And I had the privilege of actually being classmates with Barack Obama. That is a true story. And I know that because during those times, we we were very much, and I was very much... um, full of ourselves you know we were 18 in 1978 there was a lot of energy a lot of protests going on anti-apartheid issues and occidental college in los angeles was right in the middle of all of this Hmm. and um i was in i studied uh theater arts and rhetoric and i was taking a class called the art of persuasion (laughs) and uh, during those times, I always and still do wear a lot of purple because I feel like it's a very royal color and it suits my personality. And I and I can remember going to class and there was 14 of us in that kind of uh, Socratic, um, you know, liberal arts uh, class. And we would sit around in a circle and wax poetic. And I remember very distinctly somebody saying, I bet one of us could become president in the year 2000. And the reason I remember it is because I always thought they were talking about me. <laughs> and no, 
home. So I would look back on that in my life and go, you know what, dang it, I, people see me, I could become president of the United States. And then 30 years later, Occidental College uh, published a magazine with Barack Obama on the cover. And he was, he was a sophomore when I was, I was a sophomore and he was a freshman. And he looked at reading back to his biography, autobiography. He actually was in that class with me. Oh, wow. So, so the message was for him. And so I like to think that that was the actual moment when the seed dropped in him because it certainly dropped in me. Very so cool. coming out of that, yeah, that's, I, I, uh, that's my, my big claim to fame. Your brush with history. My big brush with history, yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, going back to how it is that I have come into these, this expanded experience, Experience of my life of, of very spiritual but also very grounded mm -hmm. um, I have to say three things happened simultaneously for me when I started attending Occidental College one is I read autobiography of a yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda and um, heard for the first time the Maha Mantra the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra mm -hmm. Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare and that really resonated for me. The second thing that happened was I um, uh, fell in love with somebody that I in, felt instant camaraderie for and with um, at Occidental at a party. And he kind of expanded my consciousness and awareness. And the third thing is that we actually took psychedelics together. Yeah. And that that instilled in me a clear ability to be telepathic and that telepathy that was um, initiated but never really left um, with psychedelics of this ability to to um, feel empathetic with people and to actually read minds in a way that in the true sense of i know exactly what you're thinking hmm. kind of um stayed with me throughout my life, um, sometimes stronger than others. But what that has done has built a really intuitive, those, those things, learning the Maha Mantra, developing um, a relationship with those seed sound mantras, and um, falling in love, and opening up my heart chakra, and then expanding my psychic abilities and my intuition, led me into these paths where um, choices were easy, things came to me easily, um, it's never really been a struggle, like one thing just flows after another for me, and, um, and it's all based on this ability to rest in the gratitude of the moment, um, feel, uh, feel connected, and um, have a sense of presence in my life. That makes yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> so that's how you kind of got moving in the direction that you've been going. And on a more practical level, talk a little bit about things like career and relationships since college and things like that. Tell us a little bit about the pathways that you've kind of been through in those areas. Yeah, so I, I went on from Occidental and got a master's degree in advertising. I took one of those uh, tests where it says, so what do you think you're going to be really good at? And it came up with 
like a camp director, I remember. And oh yeah, advertising executive. So I thought advertising executive, that sounds fine. So I went off to uh, UT Austin and got my degree, my master's degree and stayed in Austin, uh, Texas. And this was in 1983. So I was in Austin in really the best years from 83 to 90 when it was still still you could still drive around and it was still affordable and my room at a beautiful home was 250 dollars a month and you know it was a really good time and and from graduating i ended up working at book people which is um and still is the largest metaphysical bookstore west of the mississippi wow yeah and so i stepped into book people and became their um uh, marketing, I mean, in those days, really, it wasn't marketing wasn't much of a term, but I became the person that was responsible for bringing authors to into town and like organizing their speaking events. And so suddenly, I was um, meeting people like Shakti Gawain, wow. and Alan Wolf, and um, others who had who were really steeped in the metaphysical realm of truth and consciousness. And um, we brought Ram Das into Austin during those times. And it was those kind of meetings that, and literally the books that would fall off the shelf in front of me when I would, you know, need some information. No kidding. Like those books would suddenly open up and there would be exactly the passage that I would need. And so the career in marketing was launched, but also this um, really intense uh, devotion to uh, spiritual growth um, was also implanted in me. And it was, it was in Austin that I met the person that led me to my guru, Neen Karoli Baba, mm -hmm. and the ashram in Taos, um, which has been kind of the cornerstone of my whole um, kind of trip what's interesting about it is very few people and that's why it's pretty exciting for me to be talking with you today Franklin because really in my life very few people know that I have been this devotee of me Karoli Baba for 30 years wow it's not something that I broadcast but um I it it, it is part of who I am but um, I'm careful not to instill those values, particularly on other people, because it's, I don't want to um, pass, you know, I just want to be careful on other people's trips and don't want to particularly feel like I need to proselytize about my spiritual path, but it, it is very important to me. So. Yeah. What was it about Neem Karoli Baba that really turned your head or your heart? <laughs> Yeah, it was more like a heart thing because he's out of his body. So when I showed up at the temple um, in 1989 in, in late June, um, it was it's an energetic um, feeling, and I I just it, it it was like I fell down in front of the guru, and even though he wasn't there, they have it set up in what's called a tucket, which is like a sitting place. And there's pictures of him and his blanket that he used to wear and different things. And if you want to know more about Neem Karoli Baba, the, the whole story is uh, recounted in here now in the beginning. 
And for me, it was like my whole cellular structure was realigned. And <laughs> I came up for breath about two weeks later and was really lamenting the fact that I didn't have a significant relationship. You know, I was 29 and I was starting to feel like I really want kids and where was my partner? And then Caroli, and this was, this took me back to when I had started to become psychic. When you, when you become telepathic, you, you take these um, thought impressions and you're able to kind of separate them out in your mind from, oh, that's just me thinking to, that really is some kind of information coming in. Mm-hmm. That's what was valuable, about, valuable for me in those early days of doing psilocybin um, and LSD is that I, my, I began to practice, like, what was my mind thinking and what was really um, telepathic information coming in. Mm-hmm. And so being with Neem Karoli, who the quick story is, Ram Das, who did all of the LSD studies with Leary and was kicked out of Harvard for doing so, went to India with a very big and strong vial of LSD, looking for someone that he could give it to who could tell him what was all of this expanded consciousness about. Wow. And when he went to India, it was Neem Karoli that he found. So Neem Karoli like lives in that place that LSD can take you naturally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so, and that, that's like a whole other conversation, but for Neem Karoli to commune with me telepathically was not that surprising because that's how he operates. He's in this kind of expanded state of consciousness that you can tap into, even though he's out of his body. Right. yeah, so when I was sitting in the tucket at two weeks after getting there and feeling really sad about not having uh, a mate and asking me, Paroli, help me with this, I got, the, I got the impression and what it was told me was, wait for Bandara. And Bandara is a Sanskrit word that means festival with food. And the Ninkaroli Baba Ashram in Taos is famous for throwing these bandaras with food. So they're like these big parties mm-hmm. with tons of food. And that's what this whole trip really is about, is the food and the prayer. And so the bandara that was coming up was the end of September. And I showed up at that bandara and sure enough met this man who later became my husband and the father of my two kids. Oh, wow. So... But and and as soon as I, he showed up, it was again that instant recognition of oh, I know who you are. <laughs> and for him, he knew nothing about me and Caroli. He had just happened to know there was a free place to camp. Had stepped out of his tent the, that morning of Bandara and saw me and like was completely you know like oh my gosh, who is that? <laughs> and yeah, so 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 those promptings, and I guess what I really want people listening to um, take away from this more than anything is that um, those promptings that come from um, that are inside of our minds that come from a more of a heart space if you were if you will um, are really valuable and encourage them to not poo-poo them and to get quiet enough that you can hear them a lot of us it's the getting quiet so for me i haven't watched commercial television since 1983 i don't have a television in my house um i do occasional movies 
but I and I don't watch television. I don't do programming. Right. And very careful on what it is that I put into my mind. So I don't read fantasy fiction. And I'm not judging people who do. I'm just giving advice on if you want to hear that still small voice, be, be very careful what you're putting in your mind to cover it up. So for me, it was a choice not to do television. Um, and I don't really listen to radio or commercial anything. I'm yeah. very, very careful. Silence is fine. <laughs> well, yeah, I've, I've developed that because I want that connection and I want to be able to, to understand the promptings from those um, divine realms and hear them more clearly. So, wonderful. So yeah. So. That was my first husband that I met because of Ian Crowley. Also, my second husband, I met him through um, through a happenstance, and, and me and Crowley definitely had a play in it. Very so, cool. Yeah. So again, um, you know, some of the stories that are, are most widely known about him were um, kind of retold through Ramdas and Be Here Now, and. Um, some of the films that have been made about Ram Dass and some of his other books as well. Um, but um, very fascinating figure, uh, Neem Karoli Baba. Um, and in addition to just being this presence of all presences, he's just like, um, his, his story is not very well known um, beyond, you know, the fact that he was a saint. And there's not very there's not very much known about his early life uh, or things like that. And it, it, he's just a fascinating individual. But um, you you are getting ready to embark on uh, what, uh, what some people might consider a pretty great adventure. Can you tell us a little bit about what's getting ready to happen for you? Thanks, Franklin. Mm -hmm. So ever since I met Neem Karoli and stepped into that ashram in Taos in 1989, I had this urge to want to be a part of the ashram and be a caretaker, which essentially means you live within the chaos of <laughs> trying to feed people who you don't know how many people are going to be showing up. And everyone has their own idea of the way things are going to be. But there's some draw there. And I had always wanted to be a caretaker. Um, I started to organize my life so that the skills that I learned, these things that you call my career, my website um, skills, my skills at being a host, I'm an Airbnb host. So I've learned how to you know, keep a beautiful home and clean very nicely. Um, you know, I've cleaned houses for a living on occasion too. All of that I felt like was preparation for becoming a caretaker of the Neem Karoli Baba Ashram, but I could never see my way through, like, how is this going to happen? And then there was a huge shift this summer. A lot of things fell into place. A lot of miracles happened for me, and it became suddenly very uh, front and center that this was my moment. And when I approached the board, the head of the board to ask for the uh, opportunity to serve. They immediately said, yes, we have a place for you. We want you. This is the time for you to be here. They created a position called the hospitality, um, head of hospitality. And 
the reason why this is so sweet and so tremendous is that the Neem Curly Baba Ashram has been growing tremendously since 1981. Mm -hmm. And um, we have recently um, built and are building, it's not quite finished, we're getting closer, um, a brand new temple where our main deity, who is Hanuman, is going to be moved and uh, live with. And it's this huge, it's like our, currently our temple room will comfortably seat 50 to 60 worshipers. Mm -hmm. And we sit cross-legged and we sing is what we do. Yeah. And when there's 60 of us in that room, trust me, that you're squished. It's like <laughs> hot and there's, a, you know, there's not a lot. It's fun. Because we're all singing the same thing, so the energy is tremendous. But um, but there's we're 60 in the room, and there's 300 in the sunroom wanting to come in. And so what we've done is built this new temple where Hanuman is going to be, and it can seat 300 people. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's it's connected to the old temple room, um, to the old temple space. So um, architecturally, it's just beautiful. It's it's adobe and it's going to be stunning um the outside is, is all finished and now it's just like the interior details are needing to be done but that wonderful so i'll be in charge of hospitality at the name curly baba ashram starting in mid-march and as of yet i don't really know what that means other than <laughs> i'm going to show up and find out and um you know just be blessed and feel very grateful to um have this wonderful divine sacred um service that i can can give um, now is this a one-year commitment or is this an ongoing commitment you know that's a great question and baba's grace mm -hmm. uh, there have been caretakers who have lasted you know a year 10 years 15 years um so for me i'll start at six months <laughs> months see how that goes and then you know things things are um, starting to come in in terms of visions and um, what it is how I need to prepare for this but the truth is only Baba knows really like nobody knows how it's all going to unfold yeah so I'm it's just hold on tightly let go lightly Kind of approach which is also the you know like breathing you know you just yeah. kind of want to take it in and then let it out so that's how i'm approaching this you know i'm kind of curious as to like what kind of loose ends have you had to tie up here in colorado before you get ready to go <laughs> well i do own a beautiful home so i am looking for someone who would like to stay in my home furnished minus all of my personal uh, artifacts um, for six months. So I'm looking for someone, that's the big thing. And I was like, okay, Baba, you need to arrange this. I need <laughs> to find a person. And then, so that little small, small voice today was, well, you need to go to Craigslist and make a Craigslist posting and <laughs> minor things. Um, I do have a, a, a part-time job here in Fort Collins that I'm hoping that I can actually work remote and do so that I can keep an income stream yeah. while at the ashram um the ashram does provide a small stipend and it's room and board but it's not a money maker so it's right. definitely, definitely devotionally serving um on that level but there yeah there's a few things 
my fr- some of my friends have already, you know, like in their minds, oh, she's already gone. Like they don't even call me anymore. Like, oh, she's gone. <laughs> so, um, so, but yeah, there's those two things. Finding of some my dog. I can't take my dog. That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I'm kind of figuring out what to do with my little pooch. How old is your dog? He's five. So oh. yeah, he's. So he needs to find a temporary home or maybe yeah. a permanent one. Maybe. I'd, I'd want him back. Well, the, the thing that comes to my mind, I've been around a few ashrams. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my imagination, I know that anybody, anyone can show up. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, in my mind, my my immediate imagination is of providing hospitality for all kinds of people. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, you got that right. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a feeling that there might be some moments that uh, on the the back end of this that we'll be hearing about. Yeah, I mean, you have to approach this kind of a job without any attachment to adoration or adulation. You know, there's a saying that says, um, fame, blame, make it the same. Meaning when you are really living your dharma and entering into a karmic yogic path, don't expect praise. Mm -hmm. Because uh, you'll never be able to to please anyone and then the other piece is don't be attached to the results of your efforts so uh around Neem Karoli there's a great book called Miracle of Love that mm-hmm. tells about all of his miracles and things that happened to devotees who were with him or um came to him after he was passed but one thing one of the stories tells about how people workers in the ashram and they call them sevaks mm-hmm. would find themselves completing a task or finishing a task that someone had just finished and then someone coming behind them and actually undoing the task. <laughs> and, and this happened all the time. Mm. And what the reason for it was because they felt that Baba was really setting them up to help them examine their ego mind. Of like, where is my attachment to this? What? And so Living in an ashram is very much like living in a petri dish of like emotional intensity. And the more you're attached to the fruits of your labors, the more painful it's going to be. Right. So um, it's a real test of one's uh, attachment to their ego to, um, to live in such a, an intensely difficult environment because there's no bosses. There's nobody really, you know, um, in charge except the guru who isn't really even in his body. So you can't talk to him. Yeah. So it's energetic, you know. And yeah. So and you're right about who shows up. I mean, the the Taos ashram on Sundays now we feed about 300 people every Sunday. Yeah. The beautiful thing about the name Curly Baba ashram is they never ask for money. It's, there's an open donation, um, and the money always seems to show up. But Taos is a small community, and so a lot of those 300 people that come up every Sunday are homeless or borderline homeless. Yeah. And 
is not there to be with Neem Karoli. They're there to be fed. Yeah. But Neem Karoli's big message was, if you love God, serve people, feed them, because God comes to hungry people in the form of food. Yeah. So it's a huge part of the seva, of, of you know, being able to um, be with the marginalized and honor them in exactly where they are, not trying to change them or, um, and just, you know, be there with them. A lot of the other uh, devotees who come are uh, Indians, you know, yeah, uh, obviously, because Hanumanji, who is the presiding deity, and Hanumanji and Neem Karoli were kind of, it's hard to understand, but they were one and the same on many levels. Yeah. Hanumanji is, an, is a major aspect of who Neem Karoli Baba is. So for the Indians, that's what they're going for, because our Hanumanji is just very, very uh, powerful for that tradition, our particular one in Taos. So there's a lot of wealthy Indians, Indians who come directly from India to be with Hanumanji. So culturally, there's a lot of um, uh, diversity at the ashram that way as well. Right. And sensitive to those cultural differences is going to be um, interesting. And, the, and with the larger temple, we're anticipating even more Indian pilgrimaging to the ashram to have that experience, to be able to have what's called the darshan, viewing mm-hmm. of Hanumanji. Very powerful for people who have that. Now, I know that you've spent extended periods of time down there and you come back and uh, you're kind of in a state for a while (laughs) (laughs) and now you're getting ready to go down there for at least six months, maybe longer, who knows? Yeah. And um, do you have any, any hopes for how that's going to manifest? The part about which part manifests. Oh, you know, I, I'm kind of pointing to the whole idea of the transformation that happens when you're there. And being there for a longer period of time, uh, do you have any anticipation of, of some kind of a, you know, manifestation that you would like to see in your own life as a result of this time? Um, I think uh, the most truth, truthful answer to that is, um, for some reason, recently, I have been drawn to watch the satsangs of Muji, mm. M-O-O-J-I, yeah. org, And he sits with people and talks about truth. And um, people come to him and ask him questions of like, how can I be in relationship and not be attached? And just all kinds of amazing questions. And what I've learned and what I'm taking with me to the ashram is Finding that and practicing what um, Muji calls um, uh, insight and awareness, mm-hmm. this um, ability to start gaining this um, more of an observation mind rather than being attached to what the mind is doing, really developing an ability to sit as the observing mind. Mm-hmm. And really asking, like, well, who's doing the observing? And then taking it farther out. And then, and so going to the ashram, I think the only way I'm going to survive uh, <laughs> is by practicing this dharmic um, uh, 
focus of extrapolating myself farther and farther from identity with my ego. Okay. The more you're in an ego place, the harder it is and the more painful it's going to be because everyone will be getting up against your sense of what is, what should be. And um, so in terms of what I hope to manifest, I'm, I'm practicing more and more. And with Muji helping me, because he is a living guru, mm -hmm. he's just, his satsangs on YouTube are great. Right. Um, yeah, you've watched them, it sounds like. Well, I've always been kind of fond of Papaji. Yes, exactly. And, uh, exactly. Ramana Maharshi. So yes. that, that lineage is one that's familiar to me. Exactly. So Muji's just, he's so beautiful. And um, so I've been practicing that and, then, and, and feeling like I'm getting more and more connected. Um, Very good. From that practice. Well, it, it occurs to me that I think what we ought to do now is to just arrange once you return, if you return, <laughs> I, think we to, I think we ought to do a catch up uh, when you get back and just, you know, talk to you a little bit about the experience and, and how it ended up showing up and all of that kind of thing. I'm really, um, I'm really excited to, uh, I'm really excited to, to know that you're, you know, kind of finding a, a deeper path, um, even in a path that you've already walked on. So, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, there's layers and layers, always layers. But, um, yeah, you know, just staying in the gratitude and the be here now of it all. Yeah. If people want to find out about Neem Karoli Baba or the ashram, uh, where would you send them? There's a website. So NKB for Neem Karoli Baba, nkbashram.org. Okay. NKB dot, nkbashram.org. Okay. We'll make sure that uh, that'll get included in the description. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Dara, this has been a delightful conversation and um, I, I expected it to be so. So it's really wonderful to catch up with you and to hear about what's going to be happening and to know a little bit more about where you've come from. Um, and I just, uh, I'm hopeful that you will have uh, just an amazing, heart-opening, um, and not too dreadful experience. <laughs> <laughs> all, my, all my caretaker friends are like warning me. <laughs> they're all nice. <laughs> they're saying, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Preserve yourself. No, it'll be great. Thank you, Franklin. It's been a joy. Just a joy. Wonderful, Dora. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, sign off. And uh, the rest of you folks, um, if you would please share this uh, episode with people that you think might be interested in it. And always uh, and forever, there's an ongoing invitation for you to subscribe and review um, what you hear here. And um, I love to bring stories like Dara's to you. Um, this is a show that's all about fresh starts and transformations. And uh, Dara just really brought that home to us uh, in terms of her own story. So thanks again, Dara. And uh, thank you all for listening. I agree to them.
Thanks for taking the time to listen to, subscribe, and review the Reset Podcast. The Reset Podcast features interviews, insights, and in-depth reflections that will help you navigate your own fresh start. If you'd like to be a guest or share an idea for a topic you'd like to hear about, please contact podcast at franklintaggart.com. I offer a wide range of services to people who are ready to live with clear direction, new possibilities, greater freedom, and unlimited creativity. If you're looking for a new beginning, I'm available to help you. More information is available at franklintaggart.com. The Reset Podcast is a production of Franklin Taggart and Make Your Own Way Media. All rights reserved.